The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. All right, good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. It's great to be here to worship Jesus together. And if you're new with us, especially welcome you. If um, we can help you in any way, there's a place out in the foyer called Parkview Connect where you can meet somebody that can help you navigate this place and find a group you can connect with. And so very glad uh, that you're all here. And um, I got to ask you a question to start with today. Uh, When is the last time you were just completely lost? Like you had no idea where you were. And maybe for some of you, it's a daily occurrence. Um, It seems like it's happening to me more and more. And here's where it's hitting me is that if I'm on my phone and I'm in a pretty, you know, involved conversation, then I park somewhere like the mall or the hospital or downtown and then run to a meeting after that. This happened to me about a year ago. That scenario, important phone call on it, parked, met a guy at a restaurant downtown. And after lunch, you know, we had a great time. Even that was good, very kind of intense, but good, intense conversation. It's over. He goes, well, let me walk with you back to your car. I go, oh, that'd be great. And I had no idea where I parked. Like, I was just like, wow, I was so involved in that call and this meeting. It just totally wasn't there. In fact, you know, thought it through. I knew I was in a ramp. So that narrowed it down to three areas, you know. And so, but eventually, I'm, am I just getting old or is that like, I'm just saying I'm too, too, no, hey, that's not right. I don't think so. But, um, now it's kind of a weird feeling. I've started taking a picture now of where I park or write myself a little note on my phone. So, but that's been a little scary. So that happens. Um, sometimes uh, they say that men uh, have a harder time when we get lost because we don't ask for directions. Have you heard that rumor? And so I don't believe that at all. Um, don't ask my family though. Don't ask my wife. But um, there was an insurance company in England that actually wanted to look into that and see, is that just a wives' tale or is that the real deal? And they found that the average man will drive an extra 276 miles a year uh, because he's refusing to ask for directions. And so they're talking about the cost and all that, that it adds up because we don't do that. In their survey, they found 26% of men said they will not ask for directions, even if it's been 30 minutes of being lost. 30 minutes was their time that they would start to ask. Uh, For 12% of men, they still, even after 30 minutes, would not ask for directions. So I don't know where you fit in all of that. So, but what we're going to talk about this morning is um, as unnerving as it can be to be maybe not, you know, not knowing where you are in a car or where your car is, uh, there's a chance that you could look back at your life and you could look back at segments of your life and go, man, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where I was going, and maybe even this morning, you're you're there, like, I don't know, you know, where I'm going. We can just get pounded and inundated with decisions to make, and where am I supposed to go, and uh, my daughters are in high school, and they're just getting hammered with college stuff. I had my first college visit with one of my daughters this weekend, or or this week, so which school do you go to, which job do you take, Um, maybe you're dating, Is, is this the one, do I get married to this one or not, and all the decisions that come our way, it is so crucial that we are being led. Um, and so as a church, we've been studying Psalm 23, and we're in verse 3 today. We're, we're taking seven weeks to go through Psalm 23. And where we've been so far, we've looked at it. Again, it's one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You guys could probably just say it with me, right? He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And the phrase we're looking at today is where it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
think, again, this is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, and I think what's so endearing to it is, I, I just, I think we love David's relationship with God there. There are 17 personal pronouns there. My shepherd. I mean, up until then, God had been referred to as maybe the shepherd of the nation of Israel, or God had been referred to as the king, uh, or as a rock, you know, a mighty refuge. But, but just the personal connection of David with God just jumps out at us. That's why I think this is a go-to psalm when you're going through a hard time in your life. This is by far the most frequent psalm I've heard and had requested for funerals because it is so personal. It is so astonishing that the Almighty God offers this kind of relationship with him, particularly this morning for any of us that are in a special need for direction. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do with my life? Just the amazing gift that this almighty God, who, who, again, is strong enough and wise enough to create all the universe we see, at the same time is very caring, loves you, knows the details of your life, and offers to be your shepherd to lead you. That's a, that's a profound concept. So that's what we're going to look at today. And it's very clear that we need, we all need this. We need a shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We are all like sheep, and we have all gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And so, again, in this Psalm 23 analogy, if the Lord is our shepherd, that makes us sheep, okay? And that's not always a good thing. We'd rather be maybe a lion, right, or an eagle, or something majestic and noble, but we are a slow and kind of ugly and defenseless and very stubborn and ignorant animal, okay? That's, that's us, and so we definitely need to be to be led. There was a news story, it was about eight years ago now, but in eastern Turkey, there actually was a flock of sheep that it was breakfast, and the shepherds got distracted by what they were eating, and so 1,500 sheep, one of them decided to lead the whole flock over a ravine, and all 1,500 of them followed and went down. It killed 400 of the sheep. The fortunate thing was, I guess they're sheep and so puffy, that the other 1,100, it was like landing in a giant pillow pit. But again, just what a picture is. God is our shepherd. We're sheep. We, we need to be led. And so, again, we're going to look at that amazing invitation. And so we're going to look at and answer three questions today. Where does our shepherd want to lead us? Why does our shepherd want to lead us? And then probably the most important question this morning is, what, you know, from the shepherd's point of view, what kind of sheep are we? How easy are we to lead? So let me pray and let God speak to us today. Let's, let's, let's talk to God for a little bit here. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this powerful, powerful psalm. We can be so well acquainted with it that sometimes we miss uh, the, the truths that you have for us. And I, we are a room full of people this morning that are just constantly faced with decisions and we are a room full of people that can just kind of wander off and do our thing instead of yours. So I pray that you would speak very clearly to us today and show us very clearly who you are and how you want to lead us. And may we be the kind of sheep that you can easily lead. And it's your name we pray. Amen. All right. So that first question is, where does our shepherd want to lead us? And the verse tells us that he leads us in paths of righteousness, okay? Righteousness can be one of those church words. You just assume you know it. Let's circle back. To be righteous means that you're good, that it's true, that you're free from guilt, that you are in the right spot. You are in the best place you can be. Our shepherd can be counted on to lead us to exactly the right spot, the best place. So to be right with God is the best place that we can be. 
Psalm 84.11 says, No good thing does God withhold from those who walk rightly. It's a good thing to be led uh, in a path of righteousness. The word path literally meant a rut. It's a well-worn trail. So if you've been in the woods and you can see where animals just continually go because they're going to a water source, a creek, or a pond, that's what we're talking about, that your shepherd constantly leads you there. He knows the way. He doesn't go on little tangents. He doesn't take you on side trips that are pointless. He'll take you exactly to where you need to go, and that is the path of righteousness. And so uh, if you follow Jesus as your shepherd, that is exactly where he's going to take you. He's going to take you to the place of being righteous before God and then of being righteous before people. But it's, it has to go in that order. Isaiah 53, 6, we started that verse earlier. It says, we are all like sheep. We've all gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. But the verse finishes with this, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was the prophet Isaiah writing 700 years before the time of Christ. And he saw one who would come and rescue wayward sheep like us who stray from God's plan and who would, who would remove um, that guilt of our sin before a holy God, that he would, he would take away our iniquity. When Jesus showed up on the scene 700 years later, he identified himself as God. And one of the ways he did that was in John chapter 10, where he took the name of God, the I am name, and then he identified himself as I am your shepherd. And so in John 10, 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus made it really clear his purpose for coming was he was righteous, he never sinned, and he came to offer his life uh, in place of ours. That because we wander from God, because we sin, because we are unrighteous, we deserve the wrath of God. But Jesus took that wrath when he died on the cross, and in exchange, Jesus offers us a relationship with God where now God sees us as righteous. And so, Jesus, where are you going to lead me as my shepherd? The first place he wants to lead all of us this morning is to that place where we can be righteous before a holy God. We're all sinful. We're all guilty before God. Jesus says, if you follow me, if you let me be your savior, if you let me be your righteousness, then you can stand before God as righteous. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that in Christ we can become the righteousness of God. I don't want to assume we've all done that this morning. That is, you know, step one in your life. What should I do? What does God want me to do? It's right there. Make sure that you can stand before a holy God righteous. And that doesn't mean you go and try to be as good as you can because that's not going to work. What that means is you go and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior because he died. You should have died, uh, but he died in your place. So that if you have faith in him, you can stand before a holy God as righteous. So when that God looks at you now, when our holy God looks at you, there's not a scowl on his face, there's not an eye roll, there's not a look of disgust, but if you are in Christ, he sees you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You are wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus. There's a look of pleasure, of love, and a look of a shepherd who loves you and wants to lead you. That, that is square one in your life. That is where you need to be. 
is you need to be righteous before a holy God, and that will be through Jesus Christ. So if that's new turf for you this morning, ask the friend that brought you or come and I would love to talk to you about that or call me this week, call one of the pastors. We would love to make sure that you understand that the path of righteousness he wants to lead you on is to be righteous before a holy God because then your life is totally different. You, you then know God personally, just like David did. When You can talk personally to him. You can know his care. You can experience his care. And so where are you leading us, Jesus, um, to a path of righteousness with God? And then that path of righteousness takes us to a new place as well, is that Jesus will take us as we are, as sinful as we are, but he doesn't leave us that way. He loves us too much to leave us that way, is that Jesus comes into our lives through his Holy Spirit and begins to produce righteous things in our lives so we can become righteous before God, but then also we can see righteousness begin to happen in our own lives. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, the fruit of the Spirit. So when Jesus' Spirit comes into your life, this is what starts coming out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's that's what he, he begins to do, is that he begins to produce a righteousness through us. And that's, that's his plan. In fact, if you want to say, God, what's your plan for my life? Look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of a son. That's what... Once you accept Jesus as your Savior and you're righteous before God, God's plan for you then is to make you more and more like Jesus Christ, to help you show the character and the life uh, that Jesus had. And so his whole reason for doing that um, is that the people around you will be amazed. Like, you're changing. Like, you're, you're different. Where, where are you getting that from? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your good works shine before men. So they can see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It'll be so clear it's not you just trying harder or you just doing a little bit better, but there's something powerful happening in your life, and that's the Spirit of God producing His righteousness in your life. That's where your shepherd wants to lead you. So I heard a great story a couple weeks ago. Um, There's a group of Christians, maybe it's like you're going to do after church today, a group of Christians went out to a restaurant to have a meal together, and it was one of those scenarios where from the get-go, they could tell the waitress was going to be absolutely horrible. Like, and so you could just tell the service was immediately bad. You could just kind of look at the tables around, and it was just not going well in this restaurant today. And so one of the people, and this probably wouldn't have been me, but one of the people at that table said, you know what, it is obvious that she is really struggling today. Uh, what, if we, what if we just go over the top and just be so kind to her, sweet to her, just treat her with respect? Because she's going to see us pray for our meal in a few minutes, and let's represent Jesus well. So they did that through the whole meal. Again, one of the worst you know, examples of service they've ever had, but, but just gracious with her, talked to her, encouraged her, showed love to her. At the end of the meal, when she brought the check, she sat down at the table with them, and just started bawling. And, and when she finished sobbing, she just said, um, this is one of the worst weeks of my life. A lot of stuff going on in my personal life. And I get here to work, and there were two waitresses that just didn't show up. So I'm covering three times the territory, and I'm doing an absolutely horrible job in every place. But you guys have shown me incredible kindness, and you guys have treated me with amazing respect. 
and I saw that you prayed before you ate your meal. Who are you? <laughs> and what do you believe? Isn't that, isn't that astonishing? That's, a, that's exactly where does my shepherd want to lead me? He wants you to be righteous before God so you can be secure in your relationship with him. But then he wants you to be righteous before others so that people look at you and say, where are you getting that? They say, I'm getting that from my shepherd. He's leading me in this path of righteousness. So why is he leading us? And it's kind of tied in with that story. Um, He's leading us. We're asking why is he leading us? Well, he's leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. That might have been one of those phrases in Psalm 23 you've just kind of flipped through before, not really thought much about. Um, But basically it's saying he's going to lead us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so at first that might hit you funny, like, wait a minute, I thought he would lead me in paths of righteousness because... I'm awesome, <laughs> or because he loves me, or because he's just kind to me, and he just can't get enough of me. You know, like, sometimes we can be me-centered in that, and actually the Bible is, is not really us-centered. The Bible is God-centered, and you see, everything God does through Scripture is for his glory. Now, that, there's still something about that could, could sound funny to us, because if any other person on this planet says, I'm doing this for my glory, you just, you get sick. You go, no, that's disgusting. But when the one who legitimately deserves worship and honor and glory says, I do this for my glory, it is incredibly appropriate. And so all that God does is to magnify how amazing he is in his power and his love and his goodness. You look throughout the scripture, Isaiah 43 says that we are created for the glory of God. Psalm 106 God says, I revealed my glory when I rescued my people out of Egypt. 1 Samuel 12, God says, I didn't cast my people away because of the glory of my name. Listen to this. I should have put it on a slide. I didn't, but hang with me. Ezekiel 36, verses 22 and 23. Listen, God couldn't be any clearer than he is in these two verses. Listen to what he says. It is not for your sake, the people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, these good things of blessing them, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Isn't that powerful? Like, wh- there's a couple things here that should free us up. Um, clearly, God's people that he's addressing there did not deserve for him to show up in their lives and do powerful things. They had profaned his name before the nations. But yet God still moved in and still did good things through them so that through them he could proclaim to the world how good he is and how strong he is. So this isn't based on our performance. This is based in the character of God, in the name of God. And so it's a good thing that he leads us in paths of righteousness, not based on if we deserve it, if we earn it, but it's based on the reputation of his name. He has linked his reputation with how he treats us. That, that's astonishing. And so he is committed to do what he says he's going to do to you. He is committed to love you. In fact, um, if you look in your insert, um, the notes for today's sermon, on the for further study side, I think I've tried to link up the promises from Psalm 23 with the names of God that you see in the Old Testament. I've got a slide that'll show some of these. For example, when God said, 
um, when, when Psalm 23 said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that refers to the name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Or when he says, I will lead you to still waters, that's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. Or that he restores my soul, that's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Or that he'll lead us in paths of righteousness, that's Jehovah Sidkenu. If you don't know what it is, you just say it fast, and then you just keep going, okay? But the Lord is our righteousness. Or the promise that you are with me, that's Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. Or you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies, that's Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is the reason I celebrate. Uh, or he anoints my head, that's Jehovah Mekadesh, the, the Lord who sanctifies. Like each of those promises has a link to who God is, and God is not going to change. And what God loves to do is show this whole world who he is by how he treats his people. And so um, that, that gives us the greatest assurance that these aren't just words on a page, but this is how God rolls. This is how God works with his people. And so I ask you, if you look at that list again, which of those, which of those do you especially need this week? Is it the comfort? Or is it just the awareness of his presence? Like which of those promises are especially uh, jumping out at you this morning? You can know that God um, is not going to change. He is going to be that for you, that character that you so desperately need. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What's amazing is that he leads us, and that whole process started with his grace, and it ends with his glory. It started with his grace. It ends in his glory. And that's the story of our lives, is that he moved toward us in grace. His desire is then to lead us in the paths of righteousness so that our lives so stand out that he gets the glory. So we've talked about where he leads us. He's talked, we've talked about why he leads us. Now let's get to, the, I think, the most important one this morning. What kind of sheep are we today? From the shepherd's vantage point, how easy is it to lead you? You may remember this. This was like five years ago. I was doing some premarital counseling, and this is like my third or fourth time with this couple. Um, sweet couple. I was just getting to know them both. And, um, you know, everything went smooth the first three sessions. The fourth session, we were talking about what love is, like what biblical love is. And we went to Luke 15, where it's the parable of the, the lost sheep. And we were trying to show how Jesus pursues us and that a great love in a marriage is one that pursues each other. So we got to that story about the lost sheep. And I said, so what did you guys think about this passage? Man, this usually before this, very, very meek and very kind uh, woman, a nurse at the university, just got angry. She said, oh, I hate that sheep. It's like, okay, well, we've uncovered something here in counseling. Let's dig into here. There's a uh, sheep something wrong going on here. What's going on? Why do you have such a reaction against sheep? And I didn't know this, but she was from southern Iowa. She, her family raised sheep. And she said in every flock they ever had, there was always one sheep that always did his own thing. Like just everybody else would go with the program, but there was always one. She said it was like that punk sheep. Oh, I hated that punk sheep that was always doing that, okay? And so... Um, so, you know, if we were to ask Jesus this morning, okay, what kind of sheep is Doug? You know, is he, is he a punk sheep this week? Or what's, how's, he, how's he doing? How easy is it to lead him? Let's ask ourselves these questions. The first one is, a, a sheep that a shepherd can lead knows the shepherd and recognizes the shepherd's voice. 
Jesus said that again when he identified as the good shepherd. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own. And listen to the other side of that. And my own know me. And he puts it on the level of his relationship with his father, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Also in that passage, Jesus talked about how his sheep recognize his voice. They, they know when it's him. There's, there's a close relationship there. So that's where we need to start this morning. Okay, how are you as a sheep? How, how close are you, would you say, to your shepherd this morning? How much do you think about Jesus? How much do you pray to him and talk to him and enjoy him and sing about him and talk about him with other people? Is there, a, is there an intimacy there? But you are definitely easier to lead um, when you know him, when, when you are close to him and when you are seeking him. So a, shepherd that, a sheep that a shepherd can lead knows the shepherd, recognizes his voice. This next one's a little bit related to that. But also, it's a sheep who craves, who craves the word of the shepherd. He can't wait to hear what the shepherd is going to say. David, in Psalm 25, wrote this, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. I, you know, you've maybe heard me say this before. One of the privileges of being a pastor is I feel like I get to be on the front row seat of what God is doing in a lot of people's lives. And I can tell you a common thread I see for people that God is really doing things through or changing or moving in is that the common denominator there is that there's a hunger for God's word. Not just to learn more facts, but I mean, there's a hunger. I, I can't, I read my, I can't wait to read my Bible. And this is what God taught me. And man, these are things God showed me I need to be working on in my life. When that just naturally oozes out of somebody's life, that to me is a clear indicator that this is somebody that's serious. Like they're getting going with Jesus. And so, I mean, if we want God to lead us in paths of righteousness, you got to ask, you know, how hungry are you? How have you been craving this word? David is so honest about that. You know, you, you know something you could do in your spare time is um, Psalm 119, the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible. Just go through there and look at David's attitude towards God's word. He loves it. He craves it. I mean, there's, but, but at the same time, you see it in this, in this passage too. He says, make me know your ways. David's really honest. He knows the human heart kind of on its own goes away from God. It doesn't naturally crave God's word. There's times where David says, God, unite my heart to fear your name. He's just asking God, even this morning, I'm trying to read my Bible and it's not there. Would you take my heart and just force it into your, 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 your word? And so is there a hunger in you to really not just know about this book, but to know this book and to put it to practice in your life? Are you serious about that? Are there things you're praying for that you will obey and put into your life? Are there people who know what you're reading in this book, and they're praying for you to obey and follow this word. But a, a sheep that's easy to lead knows and recognizes shepherd's voice and craves words from the shepherd. Here's the third one, is that, that that sheep will do what the shepherd says. That sheep will do what the shepherd says. John 14, 21, Jesus said, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will show myself to him. Jesus, uh, the way you show me you love him is you do what he says. And there's an amazing dynamic that happens, is that the more you obey Jesus, the more Jesus 
um, reveals himself to you, the more intimate that relationship becomes, the easier you are for him to lead. But it is based on, on obedience. Um, let me see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, let's open this can of worms here for a little bit. So we're going to talk, I get to speak to you again in two weeks, um, and I think we're going to touch on some of this then. Uh, we're going to talk about following God's will. Okay, so the shepherd's will here, what, you know, am I, am I following it or not? A lot of times we think about direction from God. We think about, okay, God, which college should I go to, and who should I marry, and when should I retire, and should we adopt, and those are, those are the things we look for. There's a, there's a book, I gave it to you in your resource section in your handout. I think it's called Just Do Something. It's by Kevin DeYoung. Um, his, his premise in this book is, as Christians sometimes, we can be so apprehensive to just move forward that we you know, can dance around and go, well, I'm not sure this is God's will for me and, and just kind of end up circling around and not doing anything. And so it, it's, it's been a great book uh, so far. But he, he talks about th- kind of three tiers of God's will. Okay, so as good sheep, we want to do God's will. It talks about three levels of this. There's God's will of decree, there's God's will of desire, and there's God's will of direction. God's will of decree is what God does as the sovereign God, like Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, where he says, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. So there are things that God wills that we don't, we don't know. Like, so what's the United States going to be like in 10 years? Is ISIS still going to be around in 10 years doing their thing? Or will somebody wipe them out? Or will they all come to Jesus? You know, like, so there's certain things that God is in charge. He has decrees. We just don't know. And so what he calls us to do in those things, certainly to pray for him, pray for God's kingdom to come, uh, pray for God's will to be done on earth. They're definitely worth praying for, but basically we're to trust God with that level of his will. We, we don't know it. He doesn't expect us to know it, but he expects us to be at peace knowing who is sovereign. So that's the God's will of decree. Then there's God's will of desire. Okay, what does God want from us? And God's very clear on that. There are many scriptures where God makes it clear what he wants us to do. For example, I think there's going to be a slide on this, is that there are several passages where it just comes out and says, this is God's will for you. And so I would say, hey, I want to know what God wants in my life. I think you start there. You go, okay, what are the clear passages where God says, this is my will for you? Let me just share a few with you. First Thessalonians 4, 3 is where he says, this is God's will for you. Uh, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God wants us to be pure. God wants us to be sexually pure. So we get after that in our lives. We obey him. We ask for power and strength to do that. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, is where it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And then it says, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So he wants us to be grateful people. He wants us to be, be joyful. He wants us to see this life through his eyes and to see that he is in control. And there can be peace in that and joy in that. We can give gratitude to him. So that's pretty clear. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18, he talks about using our time wisely, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So you look at those passages where God makes it really clear what he wants for us. That's his will of desire. It's interesting, Deuteronomy 29, 29 kind of makes a distinction between God's will of decree and his will of desire when it says this, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. What's the United States going to be like in 10 years? 
When's Jesus coming back again? We don't know, okay? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we should follow all the words of his law. So there's his will of decree, there's his will of desire, and now we step into what's called God's will of direction. Okay, God, where do you want Hannah to go to college? God, where do you want us to live? What job do you want us to take? Those kind of decisions. I think what's really important there is that you can, you know, there's some of the decisions you're making that there's not a verse for. You know, we went to Iowa State to look at that on Thursday. There's no verse in here that says, Hannah shall go to Iowa State, right? So that's a big decision we're going to make there. So um, actually, they did a great job. I felt bad for all my Iowa State jokes over the years. It was, a, it was an amazing visit. So they did a super job. So, um, so how, do we, how do you make decisions like that? I think, I think a couple steps. First of all, Again, we're surrendered to his will of decree. We don't have to worry because he, he has a plan. He's moving. He's making us, conforming us to the image of Christ. So we have peace as we look at the future. We're not freaking out. We're not afraid. We're not worried. We're making sure we are living by his desire. What does he want me to do? Am I obeying him the things that he's made clear? But I think beyond that, God says, you know what? Why don't you pray? Why don't you read the Bible? Why don't you seek godly counsel? And then why don't you make a decision and go? I think, I think God, you know, a verse that really helped me um, comes from another book about decision-making. is by John MacArthur. It's called Found God's Will. Kind of his punchline at the end, it's the same deal. Make sure you're obeying God when he makes it really clear. This is my will. This is my will. This is my will. Those statements. And then he pointed to Psalm 37, 4 that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That if you're truly surrendered to God in his decrees, if you're truly surrendered in all the things God is desiring from your life, go for it. Like what, if you are truly delighting in God, then, then the choice you're going to make is, is under that banner. Then God would say, just go. Let's go. Let's see you move. And I, well, again, we'll talk about that more in a couple of weeks. But instead of holding back in fear and waiting for the perfect, you know, revelation, I think there's times God just says, just go. Trust me. Move forward. And, um, and so that's, uh, again, a sheep that the shepherd loves to lead, knows the shepherd, is hungry for his words, has a desire to follow the shepherd's will. And the last one, just kind of quickly here, is connected with other sheep who are pursuing paths of righteousness. Again, if I were a human shepherd, the sheep I'd be worried about would be that one guy that's kind of out doing his own thing, okay? He's lunch meat right there for that wolf or whatever, right? As a human shepherd, I'd want him here. And I think that's where God encourages us too. He wants us to be with others who are also pursuing paths of righteousness. We're, we're, we can be pretty dangerous when we're on our own. We can justify just about anything. We can talk ourselves into just about anything. That's why like Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he who runs with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Or Psalm fifteen twenty two: plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, uh, they succeed. So my encouragement there is make sure, especially as you're making key decisions in your life, that you've got other people in your life. You've got believers in your life who are praying with you, who are asking you questions. I find it instinctive. Like I, I met a couple last week uh, for the first time. It's getting married this summer. I just instinctively ask questions like, what do your parents think about this relationship? You know, what do the friends in your life think about? Or if a man's coming to me talking about a big decision he's making, I mean, I, what does your wife say? And if I know there's other believers in this man's life, well, what does he say? What does he say? I just think there's there's wisdom in getting godly counsel from the people around you. Because again, on our own, 
we can talk ourselves into anything. That's, that's where I, just a huge desire we have as leadership here is to get as many of us in community groups, in places where you are known and you're praying for others and they're praying for you. You're in God's word together. So we all have blind spots. And just so to have those people asking you questions as you're making decisions, I think is crucial. So um, let me just close in prayer now. And just maybe I'm just going to give, I'm going to back off and let you pray. But what would you say is the biggest area where you need direction right now? You need your shepherd to lead you. Could you ask him this morning in a fresh way uh, to lead you? And could you also ask him in a fresh way, what kind of sheep are you? How easy is it for him to lead you and to be your shepherd? So let's, you pray, and then I'll close this. God, what's amazing uh, to me is your capacity here to love and to lead so many people that uh, people here, people live streaming, people in the atrium, just every one of us have decisions we're making. We need direction, and none of this phases you. You are infinite in your power, in your wisdom, and in your love, and in your capacity to hear our cries and to respond to each one of us. And I just thank you for, for who you are, and I pray we would be sheep that can can be easily led by you, that we would hunger for your word, that we would long for your voice, that we would long for intimacy with our shepherd. Thank you for all that you offer us. Thank you for leading your people for your name's sake. It's in that great name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.